Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. In the worship time, we believe that God speaks to us. And we believe that God speaks in many, many ways. The primary way that God speaks is through the Bible. Uh, We believe it's a word that endures forever. And if God speaks in other ways, through dreams and visions, prophetic words, he'll never speak outside of what he said in the Bible. This is his revelation. And so uh, we're doing a a series over the next four weeks uh, uh, before we uh, have a special Father's Day uh, service, which is called uh, Stop It. And uh, the screen will go up there. And uh, I'm going to try and explain this and uh, try and take us through what we feel the Lord's trying to say to us over these next uh, few weeks. If we could go to the text, the text this morning is found in the New Testament of the Bible, chapter 10 and verse 11. And a man called Paul, who was used of God to write many of the letters of the New Testament to churches, said these things. He said, these things happened as warnings. So if you think you are standing, be careful that you don't fall. And so in the context of 1 Corinthians 10, Paul begins to speak about things that took place in the Old Testament, God's special people that responded to God. And when they responded to God, well, God blessed them. But when they turned from God, there were consequences to that. And he mentioned four particular things uh, within that passage, one of them that we're going to look at next week. And he said, these are examples or warnings to you. So that as you're going forwards, we don't want you to fall. We don't want you to uh, hit rocky times. And so if you think you're standing, be careful. Heed the warnings. If necessary, stop so that you don't fall. At first glance, the title may seem a little negative. Stop it. But it's not so. Because... Think for a moment of the important stops that are around your life. For example, traffic lights. I know trying to cross across there sometimes, they're not keen on stopping. But, um, but if you're trying to get from here to Tesco, that road that goes here is very, very busy. Particularly around school run times, there's some huge lorries that came down here. I'm wired this way. I try and second guess the lights at times because I'm a motorist and I don't like the red light going on. So if I can get across without pressing the thing, so the traffic, I'll do it. But it's impossible at times. The traffic's going through. So press the button. It goes to red. He's telling the motorist to stop and the pedestrians can walk past safely. That's a positive. Um, A railway crossing. You know, you're going along in the country lane somewhere and all of a sudden that barrier comes down, the red lights are... He's telling you there's a train coming. And however safe you feel in your car, if you collide with a train, you're going to have a problem. Um, Because a train is bigger than you. It's heavier than you. It's going to take you down the track a long way. It's going to hurt you. It's a warning. And then, uh, you know, um, there there are various other ways. Um, It may be that... um, uh, you, you're going on holiday and uh, uh, not only are the little ones in your house or those pesky teenagers that are growing up uh, want to go to the cliff edge, but you do as well until you, you find a sign that says stop because that two or three meters towards the cliff edge is unsafe and the potential for somebody to do a lot of damage um, is careful. There's a great spiritual 
principle there because uh, sometimes people say, uh, are we uh, into deliverance? Well, we're into avoidance. We'd rather people be safe on the top of the cliff than forever rescuing people from the rocks at the bottom. (laughs) Stop it. So there's lots of positives to this thought of stopping. It's there uh, to help us and not hurt us. It's there for our safety, our warning, and our well-being. I'm going to tell you a little story. It's about a pastor who didn't want to stop. I'm not sure it's true, but it's a great little story, so I'm going to tell you. So this, this pastor's in the States, and he's been preaching, and he's pretty keen to get home quickly because he's hungry, and Sunday lunch is looming. He's uh, tailgating the car in front. A pastor tailgating? This is unheard of. But... <coughs> The reality is they're going down the highway. He sees the lights on green. He's convinced that those lights are going to stay on green. So he's careering along right up the back of the car in front. The car in front is driving a little bit more steadily in case the lights change. And sure enough, they do. They go to red before either of them could go across. And so the man brakes and the irate pastor is behind him, slams his brakes on screeching because he was convinced they were both going to go through he toots his horn he goes ballistic he may he makes non-faith hand gestures to the guy in front (laughs) and in all of this there's a traffic cop behind them that sees it all happen and so he taps on the window of the pastor he didn't know he was a pastor and suggests that he vacates the car and uh, also tells him he's going to take him to the police station so that he can have a cooling off period Two hours elapse, and uh, the pastor's in the reception area of the police station. The traffic officer comes, past and, comes back and says, Pastor, I am so, so sorry. He says, but on that highway two hours earlier, he says, you were careering along over the speed limit. When the guy in front of you hit the brakes because the stoplight went on, you went mad. You went absolutely crazy. And then he said, I saw the What Would Jesus Do sticker on the bumper. I saw the fish emblem in the back of the window and I naturally assumed that you had stolen the car. (laughs) There's a a salutary lesson there somewhere. (laughs) If you're going to have one of them fish in the back, you know, make sure you drive like a Christian. (laughs) Stopping. I'm thinking about that word backstop. If you watch the news, you know, he's come up again. Now, this man will be able to explain it. He's from Northern Ireland, but it's all to do with Northern Ireland and the border. And I'm still trying to work out what it means. When I hear the word backstop, it takes me back to the beautiful summers of playing cricket at school. Because we never trusted that guy with the great big mitts on who was the wicketkeeper. So we used to have a backstop. To stop the force. Cricket, it's a game where you bowl. I know nowadays football is 11 and a half months of the year, but after yesterday, we used to have a break. No football for three months. It was cricket. Football in the winter, cricket in the summer. And uh, so it's all lost on us now because it just rolls and rolls and rolls. But a backstop. So this morning, for a few moments that we've got left, I want to talk for a a little time about stop it and I'm going to use a long word. Many of you will have heard it, and I'm trying to, going to explain it. But let's stop procrastinating. Stop it 
procrastination. What does that long word mean? Well, it simply means stop it, putting off necessary actions. Stop time wasting. Stop not acting decisively. See, this morning, what I've loved about the dedication service is that these uh, two families have not procrastinated. They've been the very opposite. There's just been a little leap of faith in their heart to say, you know what, we want Jesus to bless our little ones. And we're going to take opportunity in the context of a public church service to give them to God. Brilliant. But very, very often we are pushing things off. Now, I'm going to dig the guys for a moment because, yeah, we're brilliant at procrastinating about that DIY. When are you going to paint that wall? When we get a nice day. By the way, we've had the nice days for this summer, so, you know... When are you going to cut the lawn? <laughs> and so it goes on. And uh, the, the, the challenges of, of not putting things off. If I can say respectfully, friends, those things pale into insignificance with what we're talking about in these few moments this morning. Because we can be in danger of putting things off that actually affect us for all of life and eternity. For even where we stand before God forever and ever and ever. There was a, a great author that came to faith late in life. And he described his life up to finding Jesus as a chronicle of wasted years. God doesn't want us to live like that. He doesn't want us to forever keep putting off the things that will really bless our life. And cause us to live in the fullness of what God's called us to do. So there's three little points coming up as we work through this not procrastinating to remind us that we need to overcome these things. Number one, procrastination dithers. Let me take you to a book in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 18, 21. This is a long story and I really don't have time to unpack it all this morning. But, and some of you that are believers will know this very, very well. But what had happened was that a wicked king had come to rule in Israel and God could never honor wickedness his name was Hayab and what took place over a period of time out of the fruit of this wicked rule was that there was a famine in the land no foods Uh, there are parts of the world today that are still affected by famine and here for three years there was no food and the famine had started on the basis of a word from God from a prophet called Elijah Prophets were God's spokespeople. They spoke out what God was wanting to say. And in the Old Testament particularly, God used to use tangible ways of communicating either his goodness or his displeasure. In this instance, the latter through famine. And so Elijah was something of a marked man. People were angry with him. They were irritated with him. They felt it was all his fault when in fact he was simply speaking Uh, regarding the fault of the king fast forward three years we come to 1 kings 18 and there's this holy contest on mount carmel there were 450 prophets false prophets of baal and there was elijah all on his own It, it seemed a completely unholy competition but what emerged was that they both built an altar and the prayer was that whosoever god answered by fire That would be the God that the people would run to and follow. And so there was much carry on from the prophets. 
uh, there was much calling and ranting and railing and nothing happened. In fact, if you read it, Elijah had a bit of fun with them. Uh, he says, maybe your God's gone on a holiday, you know, maybe, maybe he's died. And so it went on and on. And then Elijah came to the front. He asked, um, he asked the, the, uh, the, the servants to drench the altar in water. How many of you know if you're trying to get a fire going, it's not the best idea. But um, he drenched it with water and then he, he called on God. A great, simple, short prayer and said, God, will you show yourself to be real? And will you consume this altar with fire? And uh, there's always wonderful words later on in the chapter. It says, then the fire of the Lord fell. And the people cried out, the Lord's God, the Lord is God. And there was a turning back to him. But at the beginning of this contest, uh, Elijah charged the people for putting something off. How long will you waver between two opinions? Maybe you're in the service this morning, you, you're trying to, nav- as we were hearing from Tim's lead, you're trying to navigate a journey of faith, you, you're trying to get to where you, you can commit yourself to God. Maybe you've thought about it, you've thought about it, you've thought about it, you've thought about it. Maybe you're doing Alpha at the moment which is proving an exceptional tool in this season of the life of Arena Church to help people on their journey of faith. And we affirm David and Jeanette and the team for all the commitment. Thank you for what you're doing. But here's the question. How long are you going to halt, dither, wait between two opinions? Because the word of the Lord to you today is step in. Step into what God has got. You can still bring your questions with you. You can still bring your issues with you, but they will be dealt with more effectively when we step into what God is doing. You see, even right back there on the mountain, the people were wavering, putting off because they were thinking religion was the answer when relationship is. They were trying to do it in their own efforts when we realize that we can only receive it by God's undeserved favor is called grace they were trying to work everything through by human ingenuity and God came with a divine visitation to show of himself don't dither stop dithering if you're a believer this morning and you're sort of here and there and step in to all that God has got for your life not only does procrastination dither but procrastination delays And here's a verse in the uh, New Testament that says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. God is a now God. Some people think that God is a God that's consigned to history. God's ancient. He is ancient. He's the ancient of days. But God is a now God. God's not nervous about the 21st century. God's not been caught out by the internet revolution. God's not been, uh, God's not sort of uh, wondering what to do with some of the challenges of modern day living. God is a God for now. The challenge is that the church has to be a church for now. If I can say respectfully, you go into some churches and you've got to wind the clock back 150 years. It has no relevance to now. But what we try and be in arena, like many churches across the earth is, 
We try and be contemporary. We try and be relevant. And now, knowing that God is wanting to speak into the now in the context that we find ourselves. The word's not going to change, but the word is relevant for what God is doing today. And so he's encouraging his friends not to delay. The 18th century poet, Night Thoughts, captured the phrase procrastination, the thief of time. Procrastination, the thief of time. It steals time. You tend to talk about it when you get a bit older, but it's true. Time flies. It really does. It really flies. And you can miss so much by delaying. Delaying. Um, I'll, I'll give everything to God when I'm older. How old? I'll give everything to God when I'm financially secure. What's that going to look like? I'll give everything to God just before I die. Do you know when you're going to die? We give all these comics back to God. God's saying, you know the best decision you can make? To give everything to me now. I'll take care of you getting old. I'll take care of your financial needs. I'll take care. I've got my days in your hands. I'll take care of them. And don't put it off. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs that we can't even boast of tomorrow. And as we watch the news and media outlets, we're often shocked by the suddenness of our people's lives come to an end. I've been greatly moved this week by the heroism of people that help the London Bridge victims. They're out for a night out, they're having a drink, they're having a meal. Great bonhomie, great atmosphere around that particular area, eating area of London. When all of a sudden, evil expresses itself. And people lurched into eternity. I was very moved, as I know many of you were, by that story of a few weeks ago when uh, a a footballer makes a decision to move from France, from Nantes to Cardiff. They they reckon he's worth £15 million, Emiliano Salah. And he's just getting a flight back to Cardiff and he hits the English Channel. And he's into eternity. We know these are rare occurrences. That's why they shock us so much. But I speak to our Miriam yesterday and she's maintained a friendship like some of us do with uh, uh, one of her uh, mates right from school. You know, we're going back 17, 18 years since they left sixth form. And uh, uh, without mentioning things from a public platform, there's just been a terrible, unforeseen tragedy that has hit... uh, Miriam's friend's family over the Easter period where somebody of that family, right out of the blue, has just passed on, passed on. And so we don't, we can't afford to delay. We can't afford to put off whatever we want to put off. Now is the day of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And thirdly, procrastination dithers, it delays And also it denies. In Acts chapter 17, we find Paul in the great capital city of Greece, Athens, still its capital, of course, today. And he's preaching his heart out. He walks into a city that's full of idols. And it says here, others said, 
We want to hear you again on this subject. Now, Bible commentators have uh, wrestled with whether this particular message of Paul in Athens was a success or a failure. Uh, some say, well, uh, they were, they were, they were going to come, uh, come around to what he, was, what he was trying to communicate. Other people said that Paul moved away from his normal tactic, which was stepping right into, you know, I'm going to speak about Jesus and him only, and tried to be a little bit more philosophical in his approach. And some commentators believe that it just didn't work. Uh, I'll leave you to read Acts 17 to make your own mind up. But these people certainly did not make an immediate decision. They said, well, we want to hear you again on this. And I want to encourage you today to not sneer, not deny, but come by faith to place your trust in the hands of God. Faith is simply expressing a confidence in the Lord. And as you start to grow in faith, you will find something taking place in your life. We just love it at Arena when people start to come to church and people maybe come with issues, they come with brokenness, they come with foul relationships, they come with uh, issues that have controlled their life and they step into faith. Here's what faith does. Faith distinguishes. It starts to call you to be a standout person for God. In fact, Literally, I see people's faces changing, their countenance. All of a sudden, there's a smile on their face. There's a change of the ship. Faith distinguishes. Faith can extinguish. You say, well, there's this and there's that and the other. Bring it to God. And faith relinquishes to the Lord's grip. Do you remember when you first used to take your kids swimming? Come on. And that's just me, you know. <laughs> Come on, take your feet off the bum. Come on. And then there's that day when they just let go. And that's that day when they do, I've done a whiff, Dad, I've done a whiff. And then they've done a length. They've relinquished the tip. And faith's like that. Not into nothingness, but into the wonderful hand of a father. He's a good, good father. He's who he is. He can't be anything less than good. He knows everything about you. And if you will relinquish to him, he will do something amazing in your life. So let me take you back to where we started in Corinthians 10. Let me this morning encourage you to stop it. to Because these things happen as warnings. <clears throat> And this morning, as we do this little series, I hope you've got the sense that we're not trying to be negative. In fact, we're doing the very opposite. As we think about the positive stops of our life that help us, here's God in the Bible encouraging us to actually stop doing some things. Not to limit us, but to liberate us into everything that God has got for our lives. Last year, one of the greatest evangelists, not only of the 20th century, but of the history of the Christian church, went to be with Jesus in his nine. He was 99, so into his 100th year. His name was Dr. Billy Graham. He grew up in a, uh, a, on, on a farm allotment in North Charlotte. Very ordinary guy, but God called him to preach the gospel. And uh, the figures are absolutely incredible of how one man impacted so many people. 
Uh, one of the little phrases that Dr. Graham used to use was that in every one of us, there's a God-shaped void that nothing else can fill in our heart here. We try and fill it with all sorts of things, but there's something that only God can fill. I was reminded of that just a couple of weeks ago. I was, I was reading about Johnny Wilkinson. He's just celebrated his 40th birthday. So, well, who's he? Well, later this year, we've got the Rugby World Cup taking place in Japan. And in 2003, England won the Rugby World Cup. And uh, we don't win many World Cups, so, you know, it's worth remembering. And if you go on YouTube or whatever, you'll get Ian Robertson's brilliant commentary uh, as the ball goes over. And, and it's always good to beat Australia anyway. Come on. You know. And so, so uh, just as a side there, Australia's had a real win yesterday because Scott Morrison, against all the odds, was re-elected as the uh, Prime Minister of Australia. He goes to, he's in the Sam's of God Church this morning, worshipping the Lord with his family. That's a great win for Australia. So... Thank God for that. And he was against every poll. So God's just stepped in. Anyway, I'm reading about Johnny Wilkerson. And he said, as he came off the pitch and sat in the dressing room, having just won the World Cup, he said these words, I have never felt so empty as I did after we'd won that cup. You see, in everybody's life, there's a God-shaped void that nothing else can fill but the love of Jesus. Here's a man that's incredibly successful, right at the top of his tree in his profession. He then talked about some of the challenges he's had in his head going forwards, and uh, he's in a good place as he comes to his 40th anniversary. And then there was a, a journalist that I read about, hard-nosed sports journalist, and in later life, he gave his life to Jesus, and he said these words. He says, are we so seriously afraid of what others might think that we're going to put off till the last minute of our lives to decide where we stand on the greatest question of all? Isn't that folly? Ladies and gentlemen, Vereen, this morning, as we've enjoyed lovely worship, as we've been able to celebrate the dedications of those two beautiful little girls, as we've shared around the world this morning, the encouragement is to step into the now of God, because God is a now God. Let's stop procrastinating. Let's stop dithering. Let's stop denying. Let's stop delaying. Let's all of us be all in. Amen. Let's pray.